Alright, hello listeners, and welcome. It's Saturday, July 29th, and this is episode 15 of the Precious Snowflakes podcast. It is our quinceañera episode. It is. I'm Ben Phelps. And I'm Lelius Rose. Ole! And I'm Chris Villarino. Yes. And today we will be discussing uh, the, <laughs> the ban Trump's attempt... At banning transgender service folk from serving via Twitter, and uh, the failure of repeal and replace. I'm curious, how do transgender people actually serve through Twitter? <laughs> uh, Sorry, I, mean, I couldn't help myself. With thumbs, like the rest <laughs> of us. Backhandedly. Because I, I didn't realize he was only banning them through Twitter, was serving through Twitter, but apparently... Mm. Well, Sorry. you know... I think the Pentagon is as confused as my sentence, mm -hmm. given that their official response was, uh, mm -hmm. until such time as we receive an official order from the president to the secretary of defense, and then a list of guidelines from the secretary of defense to the military, we will not be banning anyone. So, I mean, basically to sum it up, it was a week Ooh. of fail for Trump. And it, even as the Trump oh, administration yeah. has gone, this has been... A week of pretty much nothing but fail. Yeah, you can't... And, and some mooch on top of it. You can't see the smile on my face right now. This is yeah. great. I mean... Yeah, in the course of the last week, uh, the GOP plans to repeal and replace Obamacare reached their, you know, reached their climax and then imploded uh, with the thumbs down of John McCain. Oh, God. Wow. That was really something. That was dramatic. That was... He literally wiped the smile off of Mitch McConnell's face. It was quite dramatic. And then while that was happening, shortly before the final day of voting, Trump decided, President Trump, I should say, decided to go on Twitter as he normally does, I think at like six in the morning or something. Someone was commenting that it was very early. Um, it's his morning poop and tweet time. Yeah, to, to tweet hilariously... His first tweet was simply, like, after consultation with my generals, mm -hmm. I have decided that the United States government will no longer allow or accept ellipsis. And then Ten nine minutes. minutes passed, during which it has been leaked that members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff were very concerned that he was about to announce a counter-nuclear strike against North Korea. Uh... Because they had no idea what he was going to say that as a follow-up. That is crazy that that's... <laughs> they really... They thought it was North Korea. They thought um, he was going to declare war or declare a major strike or something. And they were getting ready to go to DEFCON 1. Were they trying to figure out who amongst them he might have consulted with? I think the answer to that was clearly no one. His... My generals... Was uh, he like sitting on the toilet and he's like, Hey, someone bring me the football. Right, he called... Right, he called the general for a quote and got his advice. Mm. Uh, general Mills, the serial guy. Mm. Yeah, and I think maybe he played with some G.I. Joes. Uh, yeah, and nine minutes later, he followed that the U.S. military will no longer allow or accept transgender individuals serving in the armed forces. He probably had to like wait for Melania to get out of the shower to like spell and grammar check it for him. Probably. Because that's she's she probably is the only one who actually spell checks. Yeah, exactly. Uh that would explain the the sometimes she, shoddy she's spelling. She's studied English more recently than he has. That's true. Um Yeah, so that happened 
shortly before the big vote, and I suspect was intentionally designed to distract from what was clearly going to be uh, the Hindenburg of healthcare bills. How, how, just how terrible of a person do you have to be to, to, to just to use, you know, a whole group of already, of people who already have it pretty tough, just, you know, just to shit on them as a, as a, as a, sh- a sideshow to distract from your other shit show. How terrible your, do you have to Your health think... plan that's going down in flames. I think Trump has his own metric now. Let me just kick a whole category of people out of the armed services, just arbitrarily, with no warning, without yeah. consulting with anyone in the Defense Department. After years of preparing to accommodate them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. The, well. the, the responses to this that I have had the most, uh, that I have had the strongest reactions to uh, in a positive way, were the responses from Nick Sarwark, chair, national chair of the Libertarian Party, uh, Jesse Ventura, a sometimes libertarian-ish politician, uh, who, of course, after being Jesse the body Ventura, <laughs> and after being machine gun guy and predator, did serve as governor of Minnesota, um, and from uh, Orrin Hatch, and from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who all responded in their own interesting ways. Um, The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, as I mentioned earlier, said that they will not be, they will not actually be implementing any ban, that a tweet doesn't count as policy, (laughs) uh, that uh, until such time as President Trump issues an official order to the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of Defense's office then issues implementation guidelines to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Until such time, the military will continue to, quote, respect all service members. Uh, Sounds good to me. His choice of words. Orrin Hatch, the arch-conservative senator from Utah, said of this, uh, people who are transgender are born that way. I don't see why... We should be, you know, throwing shit at them, to paraphrase, of course. Uh, when Trump, in his tweet, like, made some oblique reference to tremendous costs associated with with the... Me- I mean, I, I can't... I mean, is there any precedent for excluding people from the military? Not based on their fitness, but simply based on the expense of their medical costs? Well, I mean, if we're going to make the argument that it's all about saving money that oh you know we would just love to have them but ugh, they're just so expensive they just eat up all our all the arm i mean i mean this is a this is a uh you know a government that 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 has multi-billion dollar aircraft carriers that shoot million dollar missiles although they're switching to laser guns okay well you know a little bit of you know transgender you know surgery seems like it would be quite a drop in the bucket compared to other yeah things they spend money i think uh this brings up an interesting theme. We're, uh, not, we're not even all going. Yeah, I mean, it's not as to if, get it at once. It's not as if everyone's just joining the military to, in order to get you know in order to get sex reassignment surgery. Yeah, that would be a pretty roundabout way of doing that. Yeah, I, I can think of way like it's what? not gonna it's not gonna be a run on the VA like like you know like the run on the savings and loan like in 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 um. In 
God, that Jimmy Stewart movie. Oh, well, <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> well, especially uh, after they've spent the last few years in the military telling trans people that it's okay to come out of the shadows. You don't have to hide who you are. It's okay to be open, including at the academies like West Point and the Naval Academy yep. and the Air Force Academy. And and they and they came out and they were and now and they the graduates of places like West Point have basically been waiting to see you know what's going to go on. And now here comes Trump and just well, it. It's. I mean, it's just horribly unfair. And is is there any precedent to, for excluding categories of 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 service people from the military after they've already been inducted? No, saying we're not going to. We. I mean, because the, the service has been segregated well, to certain degrees in the past, but they've never taken people in and okay. then and then kicked them out. So there is actually, uh, there is actually a very small one, and this. I would say is one of my biggest gripes about the Obama administration is this did happen in during the Obama administration with Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Okay. Don't Ask, Don't Tell was thrown out by the courts Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden people could come out of the closet. Hooray. You know, people. Oh yeah. I remember people who are LGBT in the military could finally come out of the closet and finally be open. uh, Given that most of them were, you know, most of them were out to their squad mates already, mm-hmm. uh, but they could officially come out. And then the office of the president ordered the department of justice to sue, to reinstate the policy until it could be appealed. And it was the attorney general, uh, the attorney general of the United States, who I think was that still Eric Holder, or is that Loretta Lynch at that point? Uh, Lynch came in kind of later in the second. Yeah, I think yeah, it was into the second. Term. I believe it was Eric Holder officially sued, uh, or officially appealed to have this reinstated until such time as it would move up to the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and it was reinstated. And there were a lot of people who all of a sudden found themselves dishonorably discharged. People mm-hmm. who came out in the one week where that was acceptable were were dishonorably discharged because of a decision isn't, that President Obama isn't a, made. Isn't a dishonorable discharge like mean misconduct? That I, yes, and that's how coming out of the closet a, was not, characterized not general, under Don't Tell. Not a general discharge or something like that. Just nope, dishonorable discharge. Wow. If you come out of the closet under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, it's a dishonorable discharge. That was reinstated by the Justice Department, and that's... therefore that happened to thousands of soldiers that is shitty yeah that is one of my biggest gripes with president obama and, and with eric Holder. and that's not even any kind of conduct that's just that's just saying this that that i'm that i'm gay or lesbian or whatever it's not actually doing yep. anything right yep expressing basically a, a preference yep so that was that was real shitty that and the defense of marriage act are two places where uh federal courts threw out heinous laws and the white house was faced with a decision either we appeal this and try to fight it to have these reinstated or we just let it go and in both cases with gay marriage and with um don't ask don't tell the white house chose to move to an appeal thereby reinstating the policies until the supreme court would make a decision which eventually did um, 
So that's... So there is a precedent for this. And it's a terrible precedent. And it has... It it happened very recently, really. Um, but that's sort of a side note to all of this. The... I was going to say, this brings up one of the more interesting pieces within the one of the areas where the libertarian community tends to tear itself apart and stab itself repeatedly is on issues of small cost savings. Mm -hmm. Uh, A small cost saving, meaning choosing not to cover transitions or choosing not to put federal money into arts and education Areas like that where some libertarians are so knee-jerk against government spending that they do end up coming down saying, like, well, you know, whatever, the gov- it's all stolen money, therefore the government shouldn't be spending it, therefore we will accept this cut that is being made. We will accept this ban because it saves money, because dollars and cents is what we care about, whereas I think a majority of libertarians including libertarian leaders like national chair Nick Sarwark are willing to come out and local candidate Michelle Darnell in the case of the arts thing. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Are willing to come out and say, it's not the individual dollars and cents that matter. It's the bigger picture that Mm -hmm. matters. And like, yes, we would like the government to spend way less money on all sorts of things. But as long as a thing exists, there must be equality under the law well that's that's something that i've certainly had differences amongst other libertarians is this idea that okay i understand ideologically this idea that you want to scale back you know the the welfare state and and various you know benefits whatever i i can i I can get my mind around that position if that's how you feel fine i don't necessarily agree that the rug should just be pulled out from everyone abruptly but if we are going to have a public benefit, I think everyone should have equal access to it. If we're going to have, you know, uh, like free medical care, I think everyone should have the same access to free medical care. Whatever, I, I, I think it's just horribly unfair and, and wrong on just a very basic level to, to, to pick out certain groups well, and say, well, no, you, well, no, you can't have it because your, your particular thing that you need just happens to cost more. And for example, with, and, and even if it doesn't really, I mean, but the idea that certain folks. groups have less of a right to it than others. I think it shows a fundamental misunderstanding of libertarian philosophy. I, my impression of libertarianism is like, yes, we believe that the free market, we believe that, you know, in the absence of government, things will be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And the hardest core libertarians believe the government isn't necessary in any situation at all. However, where government does exist, where government does do things that we cannot get rid of in a comprehensive way, it must apply equally to everyone. You know, this is, it's the same, the same philosophy that tells us that the government can't pick and choose winners. Right in the marketplace should also inform our feelings about social issues. The government cannot pick certain people who are allowed to serve because their birth certificate and their identity happen to match versus those for whom they do not. Yeah. I mean, that was one of, like, for example, one of our, one of our friends, you know, Will Coley, the, uh, the Muslim 
libertarian. He's kind of well-known in the Libertarian Party community. He made some sort of a remark on Facebook where he said something to the extent of, well, you know, there's a, you know, just another, you know, group of people who don't have to go fight for the phony corporate wars or whatever. And I'm like, well, you're kind of missing the point. It's, yeah, okay, maybe, you know, you think the military is bad and that we shouldn't have it at all. But the gov- the point of this is that the government shouldn't have the right to exclude any particular group just arbitrarily for some I do, nonsense reason. I did see someone post, uh, trans people have been banned from the military. Great. Now we just need to ban cis people as well. And then we'll <laughs> right. be good. Well, yeah, okay. But if you see it as, I mean, if that's your position that no one should even be allowed to be to join the military, that's a consistent position, but... Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's what Will Coley really believes. Of he course is an he anarchist. does, and I get it. But I, I just think the way he said it was a little snarky and kind of like... Yeah. But I, I get it, Will. I, I get it, Will, if you're listening. I, I kind of doubt that you are. But it, if you're listening, I, I, I know that, that you're not, you know, endorsing discrimination in any way. But. Yeah, it also... It also plays into... I mean, that plays into the weird back and forth that libertarians have been having stabbing each other in the throats about the military in general and about Mm -hmm. veterans and about shitting on veterans. Um, A number of prominent libertarians have said some fairly mean things about uh, active duty service men and women Mm -hmm. and about veterans that are uh, a little objectionable. Yeah. That's been fun. Yeah, well, that's a whole other issue, the whole issue of the Libertarian Party, you know, liking to, you know, eating its own from within, but... Uh, I would like to say, on the subject of the military and veterans, and also uh, a personal issue near and dear to my heart, anti-Semitism, I just want to throw out a shout-out to uh, Ariel Lipson. You go, man. Keep standing tall. This is a, a friend of mine who is now all over the place, uh, being a trans individual, hmm. being interviewed about uh, anti-Semitism in the left. Interesting. So this uh, is a trans uh, person, in the, a trans Jewish person in the military? Not in the military. He's, okay. he's not in the military. He has a lot of family who are. Oh, okay. Um, and so he's been standing up both for himself as a Jewish person and as a trans person in the left, because he is very much of the left Mm -hmm. and also standing against people on the left who are vehemently anti-military pointing out, I will note that people who hate the military might have a classism issue. (laughs) There's something a little classist about saying, Hey, all you poor people who needed the military to Mm -hmm. get out of poverty Fuck you. Yeah. Like, that is a problem. Well, and I mean, as much as I think, you know, the military, I mean, that war in general is a bad thing. I, I wouldn't exactly want the military just to disappear tomorrow. Yeah, they're going to come in real handy when you need them. Yeah. No, that's... I mean, we do kind of take for granted the fact that, you know, we have some degree of security in this country from, you know, foreign attack well, that's and, a... and whatnot. And... Uh, we've, we've talked before about the train, mm-hmm. about libertarians are all on a train heading for a destination, but most of us are going to get off at some point before the end. Uh-huh. I would think disbanding the military would be the very last stop before the end. 
And probably almost everyone's going to be off that train by then. I mean, if you're going to disband the military, it should be because it's not necessary anymore. Not Agreed. just because you have some ideological, well, we shouldn't have it. I mean, bad things would, would happen if we don't. Because, you know, other countries aren't just going to get rid of theirs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No kidding. I mean, I can imagine a world with, with no wars and no military. But it, it isn't going to be because one country unilaterally just decides, oh, we're not going to... We're not going to have a, you know, military anymore. It would, it's a process. And, you know, this anyway. thing, kind of things just don't happen by magic. Yeah, yeah. I think the three of us all have very clear, uh, <laughs> very clear and likely identical views on transgender people serving the military. Unless either of you would like to surprise me. Well, Chris, how do you, I mean, what are your feelings? Because, I, I mean, I get the sense that you're not any, like, you're not itching to join the military exactly. But. Uh, no, I am comfortable where I am. But you certainly have friends that have served in the military who oh, are yeah, also transgender. A ton. And it, and it seems actually it's pretty common <laughs> to have for people, I mean, most of them have <laughs> transitioned after they've served. Oh, yeah, still. after. Yeah, but there are, do after. Yeah, but I, I, I can count on, you know, just in my head, just quite a few you know, transgender acquaintances who have who have served with honor and distinction. I don't I mean, want to name names because I don't have their know, permission to talk about them personally, but... It actually does come back to the classism issue, in a way. Because one of the reasons that... I, th I think people, members of the trans community, are more likely to serve in the armed forces than the general population, in large part because... Unemployment numbers. Hmm? Unemployment numbers. Because the unemployment numbers yeah. are so high. Because homelessness is so high. Um, you know, someone, uh, a friend of mine, who I won't mention because I don't know how he feels about being mentioned, uh, who, is a, who is actually a vehement, like, anarcho-communist, uh, asked me on one of my posts, so what, is, so what is the libertarian stance on the transgender community? Not just in the military... Because I think Nick Sarwark made it very clear that the official Libertarian Party stance is against this ban, uh, but also will the Libertarian Party stand up for extending anti-discrimination laws to the trans community, towards ending discrimination in housing, ending discrimination in employment, uh, because those are huge issues in the trans community. Um, so, what's the answer? All right, so what's the answer? Uh, I think one of the answers is for people to... There's, there, I think a lot of people who have all these opinions about trans people don't, have never met a trans person and have no idea what trans people are actually like. They have well, this sort of boogeyman idea that they're some sort of like bathroom stall creepers that right. they've been made out to be by, by social conservatives. Right, one of my favorite, one of my favorite posts from a libertarian was wait i thought that trans people were so were such good fighters that we were supposed to worry about them in bathrooms <laughs> exactly and now you're saying they're not fit to serve i'm confused uh yeah i thought that was particularly fun mm -hmm. the answer i i said this honestly that the answer to will the libertarian party stand up for uh, extending anti-discrimination laws is 
is one of like two distinct philosophical pieces. One of which is, and I've been thinking about this actually all week and sort of struggling with this, is on the one hand, like absolutely currently existing anti-discrimination laws must be extended to the trans community because we believe in equality under the law. So long as a law exists that bans discrimination against one group, it must be extended to ban discrimination against any group. However, uh, one very common libertarian uh, belief that I happen to share in most contexts is that anti-discrimination laws are largely outdated. That we now live in a world where if someone is willing to uh, discriminate in their business or in their personal lives, it's easy to let the world know that that person is a bigot and the market can respond by boycotting and protesting that business until it's run into the ground. And that's what many libertarians would rather see. They would, if someone wants to say, I don't serve blacks, Jews, or gays, that maybe they should have to put that on a piece of paper in their window so it's publicly known, but that they should have a right to do that because it's their business. And we, the consuming public, should have a right to tell them to fuck off and to not ever go to their business. Yeah, well, I don't know. Our Hobby Lobby is still open. So that's that gets complicated for me, actually very specifically with the trans community, because for me, I see that if a business says, I won't work a gay marriage, we know what happens. Yo, we talked about this before, that in the case of the florist in Washington, that three other florists in the same city said, we'll do it for free just for the publicity immediately. And that florist who did say we won't do a gay marriage, they got, you know, harassed and protested and boycotted from their own community because we live in an America now where a majority of Americans believe that not working a gay marriage is a form of bigotry and therefore is wrong. We also live in an America where if someone refused to serve black people or refused to serve Jews or refused to serve Muslims, there would be a shitstorm. Yeah. The thing, the thing is the, the, the thing that concerns me about that is because even in, in the not so distant past, there's a lot of examples of even large companies that discriminate in a kind of under the radar kind of way. Well, and it takes like investigative reporting and like people, you know, going out and doing like sting operations to really uncover the truth. And if it wasn't illegal, there wouldn't necessarily be all that much, you could, I mean, the the the, the Avis Renicar thing comes to mind, you know, many years ago where, you know, it was discovered that there were a lot of, you know, Avis locations that wouldn't yeah. rent cars to black people. And it, it, they weren't putting up signs on the window that said, we don't rent to black people. They were, it was kind of a subtle discrimination well, I, where they just kind of generally, you know, made them feel unwelcome or would tell them, sorry, we're sold out. What That kind of stuff. And so that kind of thing is the stuff that I would worry about more like a, like a hotel or that or would just say, Oh, sorry, we're, we don't have any rooms available. My, in most cases, my response to that would be having a law that says they have to say it and you can sue them if yeah. they don't say it. Okay. 
that would be appropriate. But then, I mean, that's I don't see why having that law is is preferable to just saying you can't do it. Because it still gives them the choice to do with their business what they yeah, choose. Yeah, but then you're forcing them to put a sign in their window, too. I mean, it's still a regulation. I don't see why that's preferable to just saying, sorry, it's, you have to take all comers if you're a public accommodation. It's somewhat less invasive. I, the the <laughs> They're just going to lie about it. Well, that's like... But then you can sue them if they lie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not perfect. But but for me, the more bringing it, bring it back home... The issue it, it, there, it, just, it just smacks of a scarlet letter to me. I mean, <laughs> so so the issue for me ends up being that there are no. I mean, there are very few in this country. There are very few protections for members of the trans community. There are very few places that have extended protections to the trans community, mm-hmm. and we do see an effect. A majority of them, like we haven't yet. I think we have reached a cultural consensus that discriminating against black people, against Jews. And even against people who are gay, we've reached a cultural consensus that that is wrong. But we haven't reached a cultural consensus that discriminating against the trans community is wrong, which is why we see massive amounts of homelessness, massive amounts of unemployment. I have a very good friend who... You know, she, uh, you know, paid for, you know, she was successful, you know, had a, had a good job at a house and a car and everything. And she paid for her own surgery in a, in, in a, you know, in another country. And I mean, I remember her telling me that, you know, she knew that she would face discrimination and, and kind of have a hard time, but she had no idea that she would be absolutely unemployable, that she yeah. basically would not be allowed to have a job that no one would even consider hiring her. And she lives in, you know, the Bay Area, which is supposedly huh. the most like tolerant, you know, place in the in the country. And yet she could not get a job at all. Whereas before she had no problem getting a job. She has all sorts of qualifications and skills, and yet nope, no more jobs for you. <laughs> and and basically can get arrested just for walking down the street. Hmm. You know, oh you're soliciting. Yeah, I'm walking. You know, that's all I'm doing. Oh, yeah. You know, just, you know, thrown in jail for an over... I mean, people have no idea just how ridiculous it is until you actually walk in those, in, in someone's shoes. I mean, it's it's appalling the, the way that, that people are treated for, for no reason other than just existing and being trans. Uh, I would, I would say for the record that part of what I've, part of what I've realized about myself is that absolutely I do think that all current protections for any and all minority groups must be extended to the transgender community. Uh, because, the, I mean, honestly, the trans community needs it more than other groups do. Well, at the moment, I mean... But, I mean, what reason is there to deny somebody housing or employment or whatever for anything other than their, than their qualifications that they don't... that they have actual control over? Oh. I mean, what reason is... I mean, I personally... Ask the people who keep voting it down. I mean, we have protected classes, but why should anything that's, you know, just a, an immutable... that Why should anything that's an immutable characteristic not be protected? And therein lies the issue for, for self-described libertarians who are really still social conservatives at heart. They don't see any part of the LGBT community is being immutable. I mean, some there are some people who take the whole immutable characteristic thing a little far. Like, recently there was a case where there was a woman who was denied employment because she had dreadlocks. 
And she argued in court that dreadlocks are an immutable characteristic of African Americans, which I think is a stretch because I don't most okay. I most African Americans arg- don't have dreadlocks. I Maybe. think that argument is a stretch, but I do think that the policy is also racist. It, it is. Out. It probably. I mean, this whole like mm-hmm. argument: oh, dreadlocks are dirty or whatever. But at the same time, I mean, there's anyone could have dreadlocks, right? <laughs> well, technically, yes, but. And it's a choice to have dreadlocks. I mean, there's no, like, religious reason why... Maybe uh, Rasta, I don't know, but... You need need kinky hair to get dreadlocks that don't require massive amounts of, like, grease, essentially. Well, it's certainly easier to to get your hair to dread if if you have, you know, curly, like, African-American hair. People who have... People who have naturally, as you just said, African-American hair are more likely to have dreads that are clean. Yeah. Whereas As opposed white to like, <laughs> like Charlize to, Theron in, in The Fate of the Furious. Right. Like white people who in have her, to spray shit into in it her, to In it her happen. lair, of, in, her, in her jet up at 30,000 feet, having her hair retwisted, I guess, every how often. <laughs> oh boy. But, that was her idea. Uh, yeah, apparently so. Um, but yeah, I mean that uh, my my whole point about bringing up bringing up that case is I, you know that's that's a case where I think you know okay maybe the policy is racist but I, I, I can't think of a good reason why something like dreadlocks ought to be legally protected. I mean yeah you're it's 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 kind of a stupid policy to have, but I can see how something like a hairstyle is something that you know that an, that an employer could have reasonable could exercise you know some discretion over saying your hair has to you know meet a certain it's like it's like a it's like uniforms or whatever it's like if you want your employees to you know look a certain way i mean there's plenty of rules that employers and schools have for for hairstyles and hair lengths and things like that yeah and i don't know school rules do get all just get schools into trouble all the time. But when, but yeah, it does certainly come across as racist when you say, okay, you can have any hairstyle as long as it's not cornrows or... You can have any hairstyle <laughs> as know. long as it's not black. Yeah, as long as it's not anything that's stereotypically black. But Yeah, as... Uh, yeah, I... That's one of those things... That's one of those areas where where the, the libertarians who come from the right and I will likely never see eye to eye is stuff like dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. Because my immediate response to that is that policy is racist. Uh, the same way that my response to school wardrobe requirements... Like, nine times out of ten, a school wardrobe requirement is about over-sexualizing the bodies of mm-hmm. women. Um and that's ridiculous. Well, the whole the thing I I notice most about you know libertarians who come from the right is the sense of well you ought to just conform to to society's norms and if you don't want to do that well then you're just bringing it on yourself if people give you a hard time that um, you know this idea of being different whether it's you know being gay or being trans or or being black or or being you know quote unquote, I don't know be, being culturally black is essentially a choice i guess and that you and that and that, and that if you want and all you have to do to get society to accept you is just just assimilate and and be like you know everybody else that's so a theme that i that i, I get a lot from the i will say this about white people discrimination <laughs> and anti-discrimination 
So the Libertarian Party official platform stance is that the Libertarian Party rejects bigotry in all forms as irrational and immoral. Um, and yet continues to say that those bigoted beliefs which are irrational and immoral should be dealt with in the free market. Um, I just don't necessarily trust the free market. I mean, there's some... Well, it, it depends on... You know, it's like yes and no. I, I, I hear that argument. Like, yeah, just don't go to the places that discriminate. But at the same time, well, it's like... it really depends on political will. Sometimes political will isn't on your side. The well, only reason that someone would want to discriminate is just for some arbitrary, stupid, racist so reason. It's I, not like there's a legitimate business reason for I, it. I think it's an issue, as I was saying before, of cultural consensus. Yeah. I think that the, the Libertarian Party platform piece applies where there is already cultural consensus mm -hmm. that a thing is bigotry. That being racist against black people is bigotry. That being anti-Semitic is bigotry. That being homophobic is bigotry. Where we have cultural consensus over what is bigotry, we can say bigotry is irrational and immoral. We condemn it. And it can be eliminated through the free market. But we do not yet have cultural consensus on lots of forms of bigotry. I mean, it would be nice if we didn't need anti-discrimination so, laws, but right. but the fact is, I, I don't... So bigotry is bad, but this isn't bigotry. This is what some people are saying. So, right. So that's the problem, is that everyone agrees that bigotry is bad, but there are too many people who are saying that this isn't bigotry, right. therefore it's not bad. And the Libertarian Party doesn't have a response to that other than what Nick Sarwark, who is a gift, said, <laughs> which is our official stance is that we respect. He, uh, he specifically addressed uh, Caitlyn Jenner and the trans community at large and specifically trans Republicans uh, by saying, we respect you. We do think that this is bigotry come and join us because the Republican Party clearly doesn't agree. You know, the, the whole reason that we have a legal system and courts, the, the whole reason we have that is essentially... Because of Anglo-Saxons. Well, it's a, I mean, the whole purpose of it is to ensure that everyone is treated fairly under the law, right? I mean, that's, you know, if somebody wrongs you, there's a way to make it right without having to go and, you know use violence or or whatever that that's the whole idea yeah, that's that's pretty much the one layer that keeps us from like solving right. our problems the old-fashioned way and the whole idea of being a bigot and discriminating against somebody for some arbitrary reason that's just on its face unfair to say i'm not going to serve black people or women, or gays, or any particular group you can think of. That's just basically unfair. You're saying, I don't want to, you know, associate or do business with somebody f just for some, you know, for some reason that doesn't have any, doesn't make any actual sense other than your own, I guess, preference to not want to be around a certain type of person. And that's fine in your own, in your own personal relationships. But in a, in a in, if you're, if you have a business... That, hold, that holds out to the public that's part of, you know, that's a store that sells widgets or, a, or, or something like that. 
I think it's I think it's a legitimate role of government to say that you have to treat everyone the same. I I think in general, I mean this is the problem. This is what I said. This is the problem I've been reckoning with this week is that my gut feeling is that if the owner of a business wants to shoot him or herself in the foot by refusing to serve a particular group of people, that it's their right to be like, you know what, we care about making a profit and being a good business less than we care about being hateful racists. Like, I I think that they should have every right to do that, and that we, the consuming public, should have every right to be like, well, that's... look at these fucking guys. Well, I... I think in I think theoretically in some sort right, of I think theoretically in the, some sort of perfect you know sort of like you know like economic you know textbook land where 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 that kind of thing but there are communities where businesses that discriminate would totally get away with it there would be probably yeah, entire communities it's, where yeah. black people would not be able to get a hotel room if that were legal well and that was a that's why it's Gary Johnson happening. took such a hard stand Hmm? Still happening. Yeah, it's yeah. All, it, you know, it still happens in spite of the fact that we have anti-discrimination laws. People still find ways to to, to discriminate in housing and in employment and in whatever, and even in retail. Well, this so, is. Um... <laughs> I think it's kind of Pollyannish to say, well, you know, well, the mark people just won't go to the bigot. No, there are places where bigotry is very much. Well, Part of the culture, and if if you know if there's only like a half dozen you know black people in town, well, and everyone else is a racist, you know. So I think my yeah, I, the free market hand just screwed right about there. This is the thing that I've. I mean, this is one of those areas where um, you know, uh, Johnny Adams, aka Johnny Rocket, mm -hmm. when we were at the Libertarian National Convention way back a year and a half ago almost uh when we were there he interviewed me and my response to his questions about anti-discrimination was exactly what i just said that my my gut is that we should allow people to be hateful bigots so long as we require that they be honest about their hateful bigotry and and we should trust consumers to run them out of business <laughs> But personally, you know, I, uh, to those of you who listened before, you may or may not know that I did a stint in D.C. as a nonprofit lobbyist. And my big issue is transgender rights. That was in, you know, like 2010 or whatever, before, before it was the hip thing to talk about. And I always come back to those statistics about homelessness, about unemployment. About all those issues where, you know, that specific community is so vulnerable and is so abused that my, I'm like, in general, do I think people should be allowed to be hateful so long as we have the right to boycott them? Yes. But I make an exception with the trans community <laughs> because there are too many people who are hateful bigots when it comes to the trans community. And we have yet to reach a point where a trans person can walk safe. Like, we haven't reached a point where a trans person can be safe walking down the fucking street in basically any city in America. Uh, I feel very strongly about yeah. that. And, and I, I agree with you on that, but at the same time, it's not like, 
other groups like you know whether they're whether it's it's LGBT people or you know, or people of color, there are places where they have the same issues. And yeah, it just I know. and and in my opinion, I mean, well, the open to the public means you're open to the public, and if some as long as somebody's not misbehaving or I creating guess... some kind of you know problem, you know, <laughs> that has nothing to do with their their status of of who they are. What rational reason is there for discriminating? If there's no, it's not like well, it's not rational. Well, it's well not then rational. what's the then what's the point of protecting people? But we don't think about it logically. But Stop doing that. But we don't. You're require, not getting into the mind of somebody who's actually we doing require, this. Well, we don't require the people be logical. No, we but don't we require, do require the people be rational. People, we do require that people in the public sphere treat each other fairly. In in business, I guess. <laughs> I guess at the end you know, of the day, I guess. It, at the end of the day, if I... Like, if you, like, let's say you have a store where you say, well, okay, this is the price if you're white, but if you're black, there's a 50% surcharge. Would we tolerate that? Or would that be just patently unfair on its face? Well, but I think in today's world, any business that did that would get run out of business by protests. But what if you're? But what if they didn't? What if, what if there? What if? What if there were a whole bunch of races that we love this? We love that you know this particular restaurant has a Negro tax, and boy. you know, I mean, imagine you could do that under that scenario. And there, you know, if you're in a town where everyone's you know like where it's part of the culture to be racist, maybe you'd get away with it. And and imagine being a black person and walking into some place and going, "Here's the black people menu. All the prices are double." Imagine would what that if you're be okay? setting your prices by zip code. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I guess at the end wink, of the day wink. at the end of the day if I let's say for argument's sake I had been elected to the state legislature <laughs> and all of a sudden people who don't agree with me are freaking out that that might have happened. Uh if that if that had happened I will say that what I would have done I would have pushed for Washington State to extend anti-discrimination laws to the trans community. I would have pushed for anti-discrimination laws to include all discriminated against communities. I would not have pushed for them to be eliminated. Mm -hmm. uh, because that would be, to say the least, a very low priority. <laughs> I would rather have things... I would rather have everyone be treated equally under the law as the law currently exists then try to have everyone be treated equally under the law by eliminating the law completely. Siri thinks you spoke to her. Um, <laughs> what time are we at? We are at... 45. 46. Yeah, I think, I think this is probably, you know... I mean, we don't need to start another topic at this point. But well, I think this dead horse is pretty well beaten. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole idea of, of course, like, of course. I mean, I've, 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 we've had this, you know, discussion a bunch of times. Like the theoretical, like, like the market forces should, you know, eliminate discrimination on their own. And uh, I just, I can't get around the fact that, well, it hasn't. We still, well, we have okay. laws against discrimination, and yet we Except still have discrimination. Think, well, we still have people getting sued for doing it. So, you know? so I guess at the end of the day. If the market uh, forces were enough, we would never need these laws. You know? For those of you who are... Well, there I, you go. I don't think that that's necessarily true. Uh, I think that there's a pendulum. Mm -hmm. I think that right now, we have a cultural consensus on some issues, but not all issues, when it comes to what is or is not bigotry. <laughs> 
and we have a cultural consensus that bigotry is bad. Yeah. Uh, but we, but Although, we haven't all agreed on what counts as bigotry. I think you would be surprised how many people would engage in open bigotry if it were legal. Well, I, I would be the first... Let me say, I would be the first one to... <laughs> To avoid those places that are bigoted. Yeah. But, if we I mean, required them to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, you have the choice. A lot of people don't, I mean, if they're, if that's, I mean, you, you that would essentially, you know, you would have segregate. I mean, that's what we well, used to have in the days of segregation. You but had I don't businesses think... for black people. You, you had whole communities that were separate. I think the idea that we have an, well, but we we have do... an integrated society but where we everyone... Do have that... So we do have that now, despite the law. Mm-hmm. What we have... In places like the West Coast and the American South, statistically speaking, neighborhoods, schools, communities, shopping centers are much more likely to be integrated. You know where there is real segregation in the United States right now? The Northeast, where they deny that they have a racism problem. This is why I will, this is why I would never want to live in New York again, uh, because their, their racism is simultaneously like naked and on its face and also denied by everyone. You know, I lived in Rochester, New York, where like white people and black people just knew not to shop at the same stores. Where they didn't where they where communities were defined by city limits. The black people and the Puerto Ricans live in the city of Rochester. The white people live in Pittsburgh and Brighton. Uh that is a heavily segregated city where they do not have mixed race children in schools because people don't have mixed race families there. That is a place where they will, where they also name everything after Frederick Douglass mm-hmm. and they see no irony. They, they don't think there's, there's no one, for example, at the university of Rochester who thinks it's funny that the Frederick Douglass dining hall has an almost all-black staff of food servers and an almost all-white student body being served. Um, That exists despite anti-discrimination laws. Whereas in the South, where things were most heavy, where the Jim Crow laws were, you know, the thing... In the South, you are much more likely to have integrated communities, integrated schools, integrated shopping. Um, God, it's just people in the Northeast are in such weird <laughs> denial. But my, my general point is, in the South, if you eliminated anti-discrimination laws today, in the Deep South, it wouldn't have that much of an effect because they have completely integrated communities. And if someone wanted to discriminate at their business, they would be shutting out 50% of their business and it would be a, it would be a problem. It'd be a local fiasco. Whereas if you eliminated anti-discrimination laws in the state of New York, it wouldn't have any difference because they already segregate. I don't know. I mean, right now, the one thing I'm thinking of when I, when you mention that is the voting rights act. Well, the voting... I don't think anyone's talking about eliminating the Voting Rights Act. Well, it's like half gone already. Okay, you're right. You're right. Uh, 
no one in the Libertarian Party is talking about eliminating the Voting Rights Act. Republicans are talking about eliminating the Voting Rights Act as quietly and as quickly as they can. Well, it's like nobody wants to admit that uh, the voter ID laws are patently racist. Which they are. It's like, well, you need a license to drive and to catch a fish and do it. Why shouldn't you have to show ID to do this and that and whatever? And they just don't get it. Well, that's a... They take it for granted that having a photo ID is just a thing that anyone who's a member of society has. And they don't... They <laughs> Show don't... me your papers! Exactly. Um... I think a lot of I think a lot of white people just have a hard time wrapping their minds around what it's like to be a minority, especially an elderly minority. <laughs> yeah, that is well, and it's that plays into classism also uh-huh. that people who are poor are less likely to have a photo ID, and people who are black are are more likely to be poor than people who are white. Well, um, someone who was born, like, out in the country somewhere, where, you know, not in a hospital, but at home, and maybe their, their birth wasn't, you know, recorded with the county clerk, or they may not even be able, they may not even know their exact birth date. Maybe it was just written down in the family Bible, and that's not good enough for the state DMV to issue them a license, you know? Yeah. If you may, I mean... People take it for granted that people have all this paperwork and whatever, and there was a time when... You know, in the in the Jim Crow South, if you were born during that era, and there's a lot of people still alive who were born in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, when you know black people in the South couldn't just walk into a county office and get and get a birth certificate that easily. You know, it just wasn't as it was very common that you know records were kept unofficially, and that makes it harder to get official documents. That are that are you know for state ID and people just don't get it you know they're like really but everyone ha-. well not everyone <laughs> yeah, you know maybe if you're born in a big maybe if you're born in Chicago sure but if you're born in you know rural Eastern North Carolina maybe not so much you know <laughs> more people need to watch in the heat of the night yeah but yeah we should probably wrap this up pretty soon yeah I guess my my final words on this would be that I, I have tremendous internal conflict between mm-hmm. the part of me that, that aligns with the radical caucus that says that we don't need government to solve these problems and the part of me <laughs> that sees these problems and says these problems are so insurmountable, I don't know how they can be addressed. And so that's my, my problem is on the one hand, I understand that these problems are there and I don't know what the right answer is. Um, and I find that that part of me is in conflict with the part of me that wants us to be able to deal with this as a society without needing to throw people in jail, um, or whatever. Well, at least you're thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They call me Mr. Rose. That's what I keep having to tell them. When they call on the phone and ask for Rose. Anyway. Well, I, I was going to say earlier... <laughs> you made it in the heat of the night reference. So. I, always, I always think to myself that, like, my name is Ben Phelps, mm-hmm. which passes for white mm-hmm. very clearly, very evidently. Like, I pass for a, a white Christian American. Mm-hmm. And yet, par, part of my response is that, like, if I walk into a business 
and they hate Jews, mm-hmm. they're not going to say anything to my face because they won't even know if they look at my name. I would rather know. I would rather, in many respects, in many cases, I kind of want them to be allowed to say that to my face as long as they're honest. I would like to be able to see if the owners of a business hate the Jews. You may so not. That like I could know you, to avoid them. You may. Well, you, you may. You may not like. No, them. I know. You may not like the results. I know. I mean, it's one thing if it's your florist. It's yeah. another thing. It's if you if it's your ambulance driver. All right. I. Yeah, that's a great point. Um. I mean. Eh. Yeah. It's okay to struggle with it. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty, I, I feel pretty confident, you know, in spite of all, I mean, I, I agree with Gary Johnson and if I'm only as libertarian as Gary Johnson, so be it. Yeah, that is for those of you who, <laughs> who haven't paid that too much attention. That would be my contention. Gary Johnson was the libertarian party presidential candidate in both 2012 and 2016. Mm-hmm. And he is firmly in favor of anti-discrimination laws. And, Bake the cake. And, <laughs> and in favor of extending them to all groups. Um, I, I, I'm not so much bake the cake, but I'm more with Nick Sarwark and sell the cake, you know, but not necessarily decorate it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been another episode of Precious, Precious Snowflakes. Snowflakes. I'm Lelius Rose. I'm Ben Phelps. And I'm Chris Villarreal. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, you are. Don't play me off. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Lelius Rose. I'm Ben Phelps. And I'm Chris Villarreal. And we are your... Precious snowflakes. You already did that part. <laughs> I just wanted us all to say it in unison. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>